Hey everybody, it's Jake Heller back again for episode 23 of Jake's Take, and you will find out that is very ironic. (laughs) I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Happy Thursday. A lot to cover on today's show. I know I say that all the time, but I really, really mean it today. Everything that went on at Bristol Motor Speedway, a lot of silly season rumors and announcements that took place this past Monday. Week two of the NFL and week three of the NFL starts tonight with Miami and Jacksonville. Nevertheless, a lot to cover on today's show. And I appreciate all the support on the Jake's Take podcast page on Facebook as well. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. So, triple header weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. Thursday night, 17-year-old Sam Mayer, just two days after signing a contract with Junior Motorsports, partial schedule in 2021 after he turns 18, and then a full schedule in 2022. Sure enough, he won Thursday night's truck race at Bristol Motor Speedway, his first truck series win, coming from 17th on the field, beating teammate Brett Moffitt. And then after that, quick turnaround, ran the ARCA race, won that as well. So once again, Dale Earnhardt Jr., You know, he definitely has an eye for talent. He has definitely shown that, I would say, over the past 17, 18 years or so. Then Friday night, Bristol Motor Speedway. Justin Allgaier looking like he was going to pull off three in a row, dominating those first two stages. But like Justin said afterwards, you know, with the track changing and everything and more rubber getting built into the track, it made the handling on his car go away. And to no surprise, it was a race once again that came down to Austin Sendrick, And Chase Briscoe, tell me if you've heard that before this year. And Ross Chastain, he was right in the thick of it as well. And, you know, the amazing thing is, Austin Sendrick, very, very late in the race, as he's leading, he came over the radio and said that he felt like his power steering was going out. And sure enough, wasn't too long after that, Chase Briscoe passed him his seventh win of the season in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Ross Chastain, another second place finish. You can just tell how dejected and how emotional he was, you know, not being able to get to victory lane this year, how much that is bothering him. And the playoff grid is set for the NASCAR Xfinity series. So real quick with Sam Mayer winning on Wednesday night or Thursday night, excuse me, we have nobody that has clinched a spot in the next round of the NASCAR truck series playoffs. Brett Moffitt, the championship leader, 2,068 points, still without a win. Crazy. And his two teammates, Sheldon Creed, 2,060 points. Zane Smith, 2,057. Grant Enfinger, 2,056. Tyler Ankrum, 2,051 points. Matt Crafton, the defending champion, 2,045. His teammate, Ben Rhodes, 2,038. Austin Hill, my pick for the Truck Series Championship, ran into a lot of trouble. Thursday night at Bristol Motor Speedway, 2,034 points. And currently below the cut line right now, Christian Eckes driving for Kyle Busch, 2,032, and Todd Gilliland, 2,026. Yeah, I forgot to give my final four for the NASCAR Truck Series Championship last weekend, so I'm still going to give it Austin Hill, who won at Las Vegas Motor Speedway the fall of last year. I have him. Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, and Grant Enfinger, those are my final four in the Truck Series Championship, and I still have Austin Hill winning it all. And the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff grid is set. Chase Briscoe, seven wins on the season. Austin Sendrick, the regular season champion. They are the co-points leaders with 2,050 points. 
Justin Allgaier, 2,033. His teammate Noah Gregson, 2,025 points. Brandon Jones, 2,020. Jason Boone's favorite Xfinity driver, Justin Moneymaker Haley. He will be the number six seed, 2,018 points. Harrison Burton, 2014. Ross Chastain, 2010. And Ryan Sieg and Michael Annette, 2002 points. Riley Herbst, 2001. And Brandon Brown, gotta love a good underdog story. Single car team out of Virginia. His father, Jerry, had just beaten cancer. Very, very limited budget. He is the 12th seed in the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs with 2,000 points. So, the way I look at it, my Final Four, to no surprise, Chase Briscoe, yes. Austin Sindrick, yes. Justin Allgaier, yes. And Noah Gregson. So you have two Ford drivers in Chase Briscoe and Austin Sendrick, and two Junior Motorsports drivers, Justin Allgaier and Noah Gregson. And listen, I said it all the way back in February. I'm going to say it again. The finale being at Phoenix in November and just the role that Justin Allgaier has caught, caught on. He has caught on fire. You know, I know he had such a horrible and rugged start to the season. So much bad luck that went his way. But the win at Dover on Saturday back in August. And then to dominate Richmond winning on Friday night and Saturday afternoon. And to come so close at Bristol Motor Speedway once again this past Friday night. Knowing how good he is at Phoenix. Two wins there. Driving for Dale Earnhardt Jr. His first win for Dale Jr. March of 2017, and then November of last year when it was basically a must-win situation for him to get to the Final Four at Miami. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Justin Allgaier, my pick for the 2020 NASCAR Xfinity Series Championship. So, Saturday night at Bristol Motor Speedway, the night race at Bristol. What else can you say? The Penske duo of Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano on the front row. Green flag in the air. Brad Keselowski takes off. But early on, we noticed a pattern with all the Penske cars himself, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney. They had great takeoff speed, great short run speed, but on the long run, the car just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And you saw it you know, with Kevin Harvick when he knocked Brad Keselowski out of the way for the lead, 20-some laps into the race. And then, of course, as usual, as has been the case throughout his career, Jimmy Johnson Turning down into Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Ricky hitting the inside wall at one of his best tracks. And Jimmy Johnson immediately comes over the radio and was like, oh, come on. You clearly drive down into him and you want to blame it on Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yeah, like I said, no matter what Jimmy Johnson has accomplished in his career, that is the biggest pet peeve I have. It's never his fault. It's always someone else's. And, you know, the thing, the thing with the night race at Bristol... I was so excited. I was so jacked up about it, just like anyone was. The May race at Bristol was absolutely crazy. It was 17 caution flags. Chase Elliott and Joey Logano pissed off at each other. Brad Keselowski, that clutch victory. It had all the action that you would expect at Bristol Motor Speedway. Saturday night, you didn't really see it. You had five caution flags. Obviously, two of them were for the stage breaks. Wasn't really all that much side-by-side action. Kevin Harvick, as expected, you know, he's dominated. So many times this year, sure enough, he dominated on Saturday night. But, just like old times, his biggest rival and contender on Saturday night, it was Kyle Busch. We all know how good Kyle Busch is at Bristol. Eight wins there. But obviously, the struggles that him and Adam Stevens have had this year, you know, there was even, there was even a strong possibility that Kyle 
probably wasn't even going to make it out of the first round. He failed inspection. Denny Hamlin failed inspection. Eric Jones. Surprisingly, Martin Truex Jr. didn't fail pre-race inspection for once when that has been a common theme of the, the 19 team over the years. But Kyle looked phenomenal on Saturday night. You know, to drive all the way from the back of the field to win the second stage to lead 159 laps. So many times throughout the night, you were thinking, is this going to be Kyle Busch's night? But then at the same time, you're also thinking the way his year is gone, they'll probably find a way to lose this race. And, you know, and that's the, the one thing was it was so crazy to see these long green flag runs at Bristol. I remember at one time Rodney Childers came over the radio and he told Kevin Harvick, he said that was 146 green flag laps right there. Now, you'd expect that this weekend at Vegas or somewhere like Texas or Atlanta. You would expect such a long green flag run like that. But Bristol, you're used to cautions just about every every five to ten laps. So it was definitely a disappointing race, in my opinion. And like I said, the Penske cars, I don't know what it was with Brad, with Joey, with Blaney. They had short run speed, and once they lost that, that short run speed, the deeper they got into a run, they would drop like a rock. I remember one time in the race, Brad Keselowski falling all the way back to 17th. Ryan Blaney, a must-win situation for him, falling all the way back to 25th, almost getting lapped. And I don't know what it was, but that that tire combination that Goodyear brought to Bristol Motor Speedway, it just didn't do anything good for the Penske cars whatsoever. So definitely a mystery for sure. And Chase Elliott winning the first stage, Kyle Busch winning the second. And then the other big thing, Brad Keselowski having a power steering pump go out at Bristol, of all places. And you think of it, Austin Sendrick had a power steering issue the night before. And Jeremy Bullins was like, all right, this is a no-brainer. We, we got go to we gotta go to the truck. We got to fix this. And by the time Brad got back out there, he was already 80-some laps down, ended up finishing 34th. Good thing they won at Richmond the weekend before. Because think of it, the cut tire at Darlington, the power steering pump at Bristol. If they didn't win at Richmond, they would have been screwed. They would have been right on the fringe of getting knocked out of the first round. And William Byron, you can't help but feel sorry for him. Running in the top five, looking like he was going to have enough points to move on to the second round. And once again, these slow cars like me and me and Boone were talking about on Saturday night. Joey Gase being 18, 19 laps down, just slowing right in the middle of the straightaway. William Byron having nowhere to go, ramming into the back of him and knocking the radiator out. And his championship hopes are over, just like that. Matt Benedetto, it was a must-win situation for him. I like the strategy that Greg Irwin did early on, getting him all the track position. And he was looking good and a loose wheel once again for Matty D, finishing 19th. And like he said, you know, he's like, we have the worst luck in the world. Yeah, the luck has been bad. But really, when you think of it, like my former co-host Josh Manley said, really, what has Matt Benedetto done in the 21 car this year? You're in basically a fourth Penske car. Brad Keselowski's won three races. Joey Logano has won two. Ryan Blaney won Talladega. You're expected to win. And the Wood Brothers still have not picked up Matt Benedetto's option for 2021. Austin Sendrick. He doesn't know what he's doing for 2021. Chase Briscoe doesn't know what he's doing for 2021. So the pressure is definitely on. I wouldn't even be surprised if he ends up getting the boot once again. Cole Custer finishing 24th. He was eliminated. And Ryan Blaney finishing 13th. Ryan Blaney is out after the first round of the playoffs. Who would have expected that? Granted, 
He's horrible at Darlington and Richmond, but Bristol is one of his best tracks. He's always been fast there. He's led over 400 laps, but they were definitely missing something on Saturday night. And the other factor, too, of course, the 10-point penalty at Darlington for the lead. Todd Gordon getting thrown out. But the other thing, the this round of 16, you want to know how many stage points Ryan Blaney accumulated? Zero. That is a big big factor in him getting knocked out of the first round of the playoffs. So late in the race, it came down to Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch. And the way that those two were navigating all the lap traffic, it was absolutely incredible. And at one point, you know, Kevin, he got bottled up behind the lap car, Josh Balicki, and Kyle was right there to take advantage and get the lead. But sure enough, Kevin hunted him back down, running that high, high line in the corner. He passed him and, you know, Kyle... He had some issues getting around the lap cars. Kevin Harvick, his ninth win of 2020, nine wins at the age of 44 years old, leading 226 laps, had a six-second lead at one point right before Austin Dillon wrecked, I think it was James Davison, during the sequence of green flag pit stops. That's what did Chase Elliott in. The 57th win of Kevin Harvick's career, absolutely incredible once again, yeah, I know I might have changed my championship pick last weekend, you know, from Kevin Harvick to Brad Keselowski. Still, though, I still like my chances, regardless of the power steering issues that Brad had Saturday night at Bristol. You honestly would have to say that I right now, I think Brad Keselowski is more of a threat to Kevin Harvick in this championship than Denny Hamlin is. And we're going to talk about him in just a second. And, of course, the one thing I loved about Kevin as he got out of the car and he screamed, Bristol, baby! Woo! That's what you got to love about Kevin Harvick. No matter how old he is, he still has that drive and that enthusiasm. I absolutely love it. Ninth win of the season. That's the most since Carl Edwards in 2008, who finished second in the championship to Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson, the last 10-win season that we've had in NASCAR, that was back in 2007. And he beat his car owner and mentor, Jeff Gordon, for the championship. And the amazing thing with Kevin Harvick is the guy whose car he took over in 2001, Dale Earnhardt Sr., the most wins that Dale ever had in a season was 11 back in 1987. Jeff Gordon, as we know, the 13 wins in 1998, tying Richard Petty's modern era record from 1975. So can Kevin Harvick get to 10 wins on the year? Absolutely. Can he break Dale Sr.'s record? possibly, of 11 wins on the season. Can he get to Jeff Gordon's win, win record of 13 wins in a season? It's going to be tough, but if anyone can do it, it's him. So Kevin Harvick won. Kyle Busch was second. And Kyle had a lot of choice words for the lap cars of Garrett Smithley, Joey Gase afterwards, basically calling them dipshits in his press conference. And Kyle being Kyle, we all know how pissed off he is after losing a race, after finishing second and everything. And Kyle was like, we're going to get knocked out of the next round of the playoffs anyway. So the round of 12 begins this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And Kevin Harvick won. Kyle Busch was second. Eric Jones and Tyler Reddick for third and fourth, even though they didn't make the playoffs absolutely incredible. Eric Almirola, he rounded out the top five. He moves on. Clint Boyer finished sixth. Chase Elliott, seventh. Joey Logano, 11th. Austin Dillon, 12th. Alex Bowman, 16th. After a loose wheel, he moves on. But Denny Hamlin, 21st. Martin Trex Jr., 24th. 
Kurt Busch 15th, Brad Keselowski 34th. So here are the playoff standings going into Sunday night at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Kevin Harvick, 3,067 points, obviously the leader. Denny Hamlin, 3,048. Brad Keselowski in third, 3,035. Joey Logano, 3,022, how ironic. Chase Elliott, 3,021. Martin Trex Jr., 3,016. Alex Bowman, 3,009. Austin Dillon and Eric Almirola, 3,005. Clint Boyer and Kyle Busch, 3,004. And Kurt Busch, 12th with 3,001 points. Kevin Harvick, he will be on the pole Sunday night at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Kyle Busch will start second. Chase Elliott, third. Eric Almirola, fourth. And Joey Logano rounding out the top five. Clint Boyer in sixth. Austin Dillon, seventh. Alex Bowman, eighth. Kurt Busch in ninth. Denny Hamlin, 10th, Martin Trex Jr., 11th, and Brad Keselowski, 12th. Monday was crazy in NASCAR. Monday morning, Chip Ganassi Racing, to no surprise, announced that Ross Chastain will take over the 42 car in 2021. Obviously, he's had that connection with Ganassi the last two years. He was supposed to drive for their Xfinity team in 2019 before DC Solar, we found out about all the shady stuff that they were doing behind the scenes. They had to shut the team down. But Chip Ganassi said, I still have a plan for Ross Chastain. So congratulations, Ross. He has worked incredibly hard, incredibly hard, growing up on a watermelon farm in Florida, working super hard, not really having any financial backing or family members to get him to this point. Congratulations, Matt Kenseth. He's expected to retire again. So that wasn't just it. Texas Motor Speedway announced later that day they will be losing one of their cup races, but they get the all-star race in exchange. I don't know how I feel about an all-star race at Texas Motor Speedway. We know how much of a snooze fest that track has become over the years. Taking the place of the second cup race at Texas Motor Speedway in Austin, Texas, that beautiful, beautiful road course that Formula One and IndyCar has raced on, Circuit of the Americas. I don't know how good of a show it's going to put on, obviously, with 3,300-pound stock cars. But nevertheless, another road course being added to the Cup Series schedule in 2021. I've heard as many as four new venues could be on the schedule next year. So we have Nashville. We have Circuit of the Americas. What else is going to be added? Only time will tell. And then Monday night, the biggest news of all, Denny Hamlin announcing that he will start his own cup team in 2021 with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, the greatest player in NBA history, six championships with the Chicago Bulls, 6-0 in the NBA Finals, six NBA Finals MVP awards. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't want to hear any of this crap about LeBron James, okay? I'll take 6-0 in the finals any day over 3-6. and <laughs> I'm sure Shannon Sharp wants LeBron James to start a NASCAR team right now. I'm sure he would think that they would go 36-0. Bubba Wallace will be the driver. Obviously, the details still to be determined or to be announced. I would imagine that Bubba's number is going to be 23. I would imagine that it's going to be a Toyota team, you know, with some sort of technical lines from Joe Gibbs Racing. And Michael Jordan, he has always been a diehard NASCAR fan. He grew up in North Carolina, and his father would usually take him and his siblings to the races. There was a picture when Michael Jordan was at UNC getting his picture taken with Richard Petty before the World 600 at Charlotte. How awesome is that? And Michael Jordan said himself, he's like, he's like, I told Denny, he's been a great friend of mine for 11 years. He said, but I'm getting in this. 
I want us to win. I don't want us to be running around 20th. Granted, there's going to be some growing pains, just like any new race team. But nevertheless, I think this is awesome all the way around to have arguably the biggest name in all of sports involved in NASCAR. So, Jermaine Racing, they will be closing their doors at the end of 2020. Denny Hamlin, he inherited the charter from that team. So, you're wondering what does that mean for Ty Dillon? Well, since Bubba Wallace isn't going to be back in the 43 car, it sounds like he will be moved over to the 43 car. Obviously, Richard Petty Motorsports, they have the alliance with, with Ty's grandfather, Richard Childress. That's what it sounds like. And, of course, Kyle Larson, it sounds like he is the favorite to take over Jimmy Johnson's 48 car at Hendrick Motorsports in 2021. I don't know if he has really applied for reinstatement just yet, but... Man, that would be crazy, especially after Chevrolet dropped him the day after Easter, back in April. The other rumor is that Kyle Larson could possibly be at Hendrick Motorsports in 2021, but he could be taking over the number 88 car. And when Dale Earnhardt Jr. retired at the end of 2017, when he made that announcement, the one guy that I wanted to take over that 88 car in 2018 was Kyle Larson. You guys know how I feel about Alex Bowman. I don't see what's so special about him. So if they were to move Alex Bowman to the 48 car, knowing that he has that, that sponsorship security with Ally, and knowing, knowing that Kyle Larson could be in the 88 and Chevrolet, the amount of sponsors that Rick Hendrick would be able to get on that car... Man, that would be absolutely incredible, having a dream come true four years later. <laughs> so this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, we have three races. We have the truck race tomorrow night. We have the Xfinity race on Saturday night that kicks off their playoffs. And, of course, the cup race on Sunday night. So I'm going to keep doing it until he wins a race. For tomorrow night in the truck race, I'm going with the number 23 of Brett Moffat. For Saturday night in Xfinity, you know, the guy won there back in February, had a great battle at the end with Austin Sendrick, and sure enough, he's going to be on the pole. Sure enough, I go with Chase Briscoe to sweep the Xfinity races at Las Vegas. That would be his eighth win of the season, and obviously, as we know, Chase said, I feel like I have to win eight cup races in order to move up to, or I have to win eight Xfinity races in order to be moved up to the cup series in 2021. And Sunday night, the South Point 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, 7 o'clock on NBCSN, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Steve Letarte, Jeff Burton, and Rick Allen with a call. Martin Trex Jr. won this race last year. I don't think it's any surprise who I'm going with as far as this race goes. Like I said, it has been 13 years since a driver won double-digit races on a season, and Knowing how dominant he and his team have been at these mile-and-a-half tracks with the 550-horsepower package, granted, it's going to be a night race. Things are going to be a lot different than they were back in February when Joey Logano won. But the three cars that were the best in that race, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, I'm sure you probably guessed it by now, Kevin Harvick is my pick to go to Victory Lane Sunday night at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, punching his ticket to the round of eight. I mean... I think he's going to move on regardless. I know that Talladega and the Roval, I know that pretty much anything could happen there. But, God, when you have 67 playoff points in the bank, I like my chances. <laughs> and now we move on to week three of the NFL season. And tonight, 
820 on NFL Network, the Miami Dolphins taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Eric Kotz, I know you're listening. Don't let me down, buddy. Don't let me down <laughs> with the Miami Dolphins here. I know they're 0-2. Jacksonville is 1-1. Miami, they lost a close one to the Buffalo Bills this past Sunday, 31-28. That game was delayed because of lightning. Jacksonville, 1-1 on the season. They lost 33-30 to the Tennessee Titans. And Sean Rosansky, as I'm sure you can imagine, was very, very thrilled about that. <laughs> I'm at Riverside on Sunday. I've got Steelers-Broncos on one TV, Titans-Jags on one TV, and Buccaneers and Panthers on another because Sean's brother, Zach, he is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. And sure enough, the very end of the game, when <laughs> Gardner Minshew was picked off by the Tennessee Titans to secure the game, Sean gets up out of, out of his chair and he screams, he's like, interception, game over, Jags suck. Woo! <laughs> but when I look at tonight's game, you know, Miami Dolphins, they're secondary. They're, you know, it's banged up. Byron Jones, I know that he's injured. I mean, look at all the yards that Stephon Diggs had on Sunday against that secondary. And you look at Gardner Minshew, you look at Robinson, the running back that is now the starting running back after they got rid of Leonard Fournette. I don't know. On a short week like this, I got to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I've got to. Sorry, Cots. <laughs> now on to Sunday, the 2-0 Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the 0-2 Houston Texans. For the second year in a row, we have three brothers going off against each other in the same game. Last year, it was the Edmonds brothers. Sunday, TJ Watt and Derek Watt going up against... J.J. Watt. <laughs> it's not very often this happens in the NFL, but I am definitely excited for the Watt Bowl. Pittsburgh Steelers, like I said, they are 2-0 for the first time since 2017. Won 26-21 this past Sunday against the Denver Broncos. Ben Roethlisberger, he is definitely making a case for comeback player of the year. He had 311 yards, two touchdowns, one to Deontay Johnson, another one to rookie Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Two games, two touchdowns. That's pretty awesome. James Conner, he was finally healthy enough to make it through the whole game. He had 106 yards and a touchdown. TJ Watt, defensive player of the week in the AFC. Two and a half sacks, four tackles for a loss. I'm telling you, like I said, he got robbed defensive player of the year last year. And he, so far, he is definitely making a case for it this year. Why he is worthy of being possibly being named NFL Defensive Player of the Year later this year. You look at the other side of it, Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, the injuries that they suffered. Drew Locke, it was a shoulder injury. Cortland Sutton, it was a knee injury. He's done for the season. Drew Locke, it's not looking good for Sunday. Matter of fact, they signed Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles to the Denver Broncos. So... You have that, and then you look at the Houston Texans. They are 0-2. They lost to the Baltimore Ravens 33-16. Baltimore's defense, they sacked Deshaun Watson four times. I don't know. They just they just look so out of place without DeAndre Hopkins. David Johnson, what has he really done? He didn't even have 40 yards on Sunday. So obviously for this one, I have to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if they win, they will be 3-0 for the first time since 2010 and we all know what happened that year they made it all the way to the super bowl now the other pennsylvania team the own two philadelphia eagles hosting the own two cincinnati bengals what another rugged day it was for carson wentz and the eagles on sunday 
losing to the Los Angeles Rams 37-19. I talked to Jason Boone all throughout the weekend, and he said he was honestly worried if if Wentz was even going to make it through the game, just knowing the way that that Rams defense is. And there were so many times on Sunday he was just like, he's like, man, it's time to bench Wentz. And how about that? One of the many, many times that he overthrew one of his receivers and no fans allowed, but you had the fake booze coming in. (laughs) That's as Philadelphia as it gets right there. And, you know, when I talked to Boone the day after the game, he was just saying, he's like, you know, he, he said he's like Carson Wentz. You could tell his confidence a shot. You could tell that he's definitely a shell of himself, he said. But for anyone... Any Eagles fans saying, you know, they're done with Carson Wentz, they're done with Doug Peterson, that's an overreaction. Like he said, this Eagles team, they have shown that they can win without Carson Wentz. And really, if you want to blame anyone for all their issues, it would definitely have to be Howie Roseman. Think of all the guys that they're possibly going to lose after this season is over. Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Rodney McLeod, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz could be traded. I think Dallas Goddard has, has more targets so far than him. So definitely a mess in Philadelphia right now, and they're definitely staring down 0-3 for the first time since 2005. On the other side of the coin, Cincinnati Bengals last Thursday night, they lost to Cleveland 35-30. Joe Burrow, 61 passing attempts in a game, second most behind Chris Winkie in 2001, another Heisman winner. And Joe Burrow, the amazing thing about him after that game was over, he said, he's like, I've never lost two games in a row before. He's like, this is unacceptable to me. So that's the thing. It's it's sad that you're on such a dysfunctional franchise, but I think it says a lot about his competitiveness, his leadership, that he is willing he is willing to make things even better. And Boone, you're gonna hate me for this, but I think you're probably even leaning the same way the same way I am too. I gotta go with the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. So many injuries this past Sunday. Absolutely insane. The 1-1 San Francisco 49ers at the 0-2 New York Giants playing at MetLife Stadium for the second week in a row. Last week when they were playing the Jets, they beat them 31-13. Jimmy Garoppolo, an ankle injury. Raheem Mostert, he got hurt. Nick Bosa, torn ACL, done for the season. Then on the other side, Saquon Barkley tearing his ACL against the Bears. 17-13. 17-13. to Honestly, the Giants, they are well in the running for that number one pick right now. They really, really are. And even, even before the ACL injury, I mean, Saquon had such a horrible start to the season. He only had six rushing yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I look at the San Francisco 49ers, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert, Nick Bosa. Despite all those injuries, I think without a doubt they could still beat the New York Giants. I mean, the New York Giants, like I said, that offense and that team, it focuses around Saquon Barkley. And, man, they look absolutely putrid so far this year. So I got to go with the San Francisco 49ers. The 2-0 Las Vegas Raiders at the 1-1 New England Patriots. And I'll tell you what, I, I still cannot believe that they were able to pull that off Monday night against the Saints, that first game at Allegiant Stadium. What a beautiful, beautiful stadium. State-of-the-art for sure. Darren Waller, 12 catches, 103 yards, one touchdown. What an amazing story he is. And, you know, Derek Carr, just like Eli Manning did the first game at Cowboys Stadium, writing on the wall in the locker room afterwards, you know, first win at the stadium, putting down the final score and the date and everything. But honestly, you guys know how critical I was about Cam Newton going into the year, 
how I thought, like, huh, him and Bill Belichick, like, this is a disaster waiting to happen. They'll be arguing. It's only going to be a matter of time until Jared Stedham is a starter again. I got to tell you, Cam Newton, he looked impressive on Sunday night in Seattle. He really, really did. And the fact that they even had a shot there at the end when on a night when Russell Wilson throws five touchdowns, Cam Newton, like I said, he definitely looked like his old self. First off, here's, here's the other thing. Why the hell would you throw on third and one? Talking about the Seattle Seahawks. Why would you throw on third and one and New England has a shot to win all over again? It's just like the Super Bowl. Just like Super Bowl 49, having Russell Wilson throw at the one-yard line. Malcolm Butler is there to pick it off. Definitely the dumbest play call in NFL history right there. And, you know, Cam Newton trying to run it in at the one-yard line as time runs out. So that was definitely a, a crazy, crazy game. Definitely one of the best Sunday night games in a long, long time. But this one, like I said, the Las Vegas Raiders, me and Boone talked about it. Yeah, they're 2-0, but honestly, they haven't, they haven't really impressed me all that much. I mean, they beat the Carolina Panthers in a shootout. They beat the New Orleans Saints, but Drew Brees looked awful without Michael Thomas. That was a big, big factor on Sunday night. So, you know, going, having to go all the way out to the East Coast, 1 o'clock game, I got to go with the Patriots on this one. The 2-0 Tennessee Titans, woo! At the 0-2 Minnesota Vikings. I'll tell you what, this is absolutely ugly. Kirk Cousins losing to the Indianapolis Colts 28-11. 11 out of 26, 113 yards, three interceptions. They look absolutely awful. Awful on Sunday. And Stephon Diggs not being there anymore. Man, you know, there's only so much that, that Adam Thielen could do. There's only so much that Dalvin Cook could do. It's like my buddy Johnny Glow said, <laughs> tanking for Trevor. And you look at the Tennessee Titans. I talked to Sean Rosansky on Tuesday night about this. He said, honestly, he feels like the offense hasn't even peaked yet. You know, Ryan Tannehill, he had four touchdowns on, on Sunday. Derrick Henry, I know he's gotten off to a slow start, but that's the thing. Derrick Henry had such an amazing run in the playoffs against the Patriots and the Ravens. And the Kansas City Chiefs, they figured him out in that AFC championship. And obviously, that's what a lot of teams are doing now. They're, they're focusing on trying to stop Derrick Henry. And, you know, Minnesota's pass rush, I mean, think of it. Daniel Hunter, he's on IR. Everson Griffin, he went to the Dallas Cowboys. But nevertheless, Ryan Tannehill to have four touchdowns, the big game that Jonu Smith had on Sunday. Jonu! Woo! <laughs> Two touchdowns. Uh, you know, I mean, honestly, with this one, I got to go with the Tennessee Titans. I really, really do. To go 0 to, to start 3 0, and for Minnesota to start 0 3. The 1 1 Washington football team <clears throat> at the 1 1 Cleveland Browns. You know, Cleveland, Nick Chubb had a, had a great game on Thursday night 124 yards, two touchdowns. Odell Beckham Jr. getting a touchdown. Washington, you know, they I've seen improvement out of Dwayne Haskins, but. The team just isn't there yet. They lost to Arizona 30-15. to I got to go with Cleveland on this one. The 2-0 Buffalo Bills hosting the 2-0 Los Angeles Rams. Josh Allen, 400 yards, four touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins. AFC Offensive Player of the Week. You know, the Rams, the Rams are looking good themselves. I mean, but realistically, they should have lost to the Cowboys. That offensive passing interference call on Michael Gallup, that was definitely BS at the end of the game. <laughs> you know. And then the Rams, you know, they play the Eagles. We know how the Eagles are in complete disarray right now. I don't think really anyone 
expected them to to lose to the Eagles. I mean, they slaughter them on Sunday, thirty seven and nineteen. But I think with this being a being an East Coast game and Josh Allen, the amazing start that he's gotten off to, and I mean, man, whether it's Stephon Diggs, whether it's John Brown, you know, I definitely have to go with the Buffalo Bills on this one. And like Jason Boone said, his dark horse MVP pick for this year, Joshua Allen. Gotta love it. <laughs> the 0-2 Atlanta Falcons hosting the 2-0 Chicago Bears. Obviously a very, very sad day in the NFL yesterday with the passing of Gale Sayers, 77 years old. The thing about the Chicago Bears is they're 2-0, but realistically they could be 0-2. You know, they had to come back from 17 points down to beat the Detroit Lions. And, you know, last week playing the Giants – almost losing to the Giants there at the end. They had a shot that last play of the game, thanks to a penalty. Then you look at the Atlanta Falcons, you kind of expected them to lose to the Seahawks, but man, for them to blow a 19-point lead against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday, not recovering that onside kick. You know, this is, I'm still floored by that. Something about Atlanta blowing blowing these big leads like that. I got to go with the Falcons this Sunday. And Julio Jones, who even who even knows what his status is. So now we move to the four o'clock games. The one and one Los Angeles Chargers hosting the 0-2 Carolina Panthers. I'll tell you what, this is a lawsuit in the making right here. Tyrod Taylor, it shocked everybody. Justin Herbert, he was under center at the beginning of that game Sunday against Kansas City. You know, and everyone was thinking, oh, what did Anthony Lynn just just pull a fast one here on the Chiefs? No. Tyrod Taylor, he had a few cracked ribs. He went to go get an injection, and the doctor, the doctor punctured his lung. Punctured his lung. So he had to go to the hospital for chest pains. And now they're saying that Tyrod Taylor, the, the doctors told him to not play indefinitely. Indefinitely. Like I said, that is a major, major lawsuit in the making. And, and the thing is, with the Chargers, this isn't the first time that this has happened either. So, man... I don't know. I mean, that's just that just blew my mind. And Justin Herbert, he did one hell of a job for his first NFL start. He had over 300 yards, a touchdown, an interception. I mean, they were beating the Chiefs 17 to seven. And man, Harrison Bucker, the game going overtime, not one, not two, three field goals in a row, 53 yarder. Then there was a penalty. It got called back. Made it a 58 yarder, and he made that one. But the Chargers, they iced him. And then he made a 58-yarder again to win the game. So absolutely incredible. Like I said, Harrison Bucker, definitely probably the most underrated kicker in the league. Very, very clutch when you think of it. To nail three field goals in a row that were beyond 50 yards. And the Carolina Panthers, you know, they lost 31-17 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, the thing is, I feel like the offense is there, defense isn't. And Christian McCaffrey with an ankle injury, another major injury on Sunday, so he's definitely going to be out for a while. I got to go with the Chargers on this one. One and one Indianapolis Colts, zero and two New York Jets. Quite possibly the worst team in the league now. That I think of it, and really when I think of it, I could see Adam Gase possibly being the first coach to get the axe during the season. Jonathan Taylor, what an amazing game he had! One hundred and one yards and a touchdown against the Minnesota Vikings. You know, like I said, the Jets, it's just, man, you got Le'Veon Bell. He's on short-term IR. And then so many injuries as well. I know one of their their receivers, 
So I, I don't know, man. I just got to – I'm definitely going to have to go with the Indianapolis Colts on this one. And Fox's game of the week, the 2-0 and Seattle Seahawks, the 1-1 and Dallas Cowboys. Like I said, Dak Prescott coming back from 19 points down. Dallas recovering that onside kick. Talk about full circle for Mike McCarthy. Almost six years after <laughs> Green Bay couldn't recover the onside kick against the Seattle Seahawks. You know, when they blew that 16-point lead in the NFC Championship, it comes back around. They recover the onside kick. And then sure enough, Greg Zerline, Legatron, hitting that field goal right at the end to win 40-39. to Dak Prescott, he got me 45 points. NFC Offensive Player of the Week. And also, here's the other thing. So I went up against Sean Rosansky in fantasy football this weekend. And he was talking a lot of a lot of crap on Sunday. He really, really was. He acted like he pretty much had this in the bag. And it looked like he had it in the bag after Russell Wilson threw five touchdowns on Sunday night to five different receivers. And, you know, he's acting like he's got this in the bag. So it's Monday night. Sean doesn't have anyone playing. I have Alvin Kamara from the Saints. Sean's leading 183 to 146. And Russell Wilson got him 44 points. So I need 37 points from Alvin Kamara to win. Alvin Kamara gets me 37 points. And the tiebreaker in Sean's league, it comes down to quarterback points. Do the math. Russell Wilson, 44. Dak Prescott, 45. When I heard from Sean Tuesday morning, he's like, a tie. I'm absolutely disgusted. (laughs) You're the one that came up with the rules, man. <laughs> this is going to be a great game. Obviously, Fox's game of the week with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Like I said, Russell Wilson, he is definitely on an MVP level. Like I said, five touchdowns. And, you know, like, another thing, like Jason Boone was saying, think of it for a second. The Philadelphia Eagles, they could have had DK Metcalf, and they took JJ Arcega Whiteside instead. You know, they took Jalen Rager from T- TCU. He has had injuries across the board when they could have taken Patrick Queen from LSU. Anyway, for this game, I think it's going to be a good one, but like my buddy Josh Manley said, a lot of injuries on Dallas's defense, so I got to go with the Seahawks. Tom Brady and the 1-1 one one Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the 0-2 Denver Broncos. Chris Godwin, he is back. He finally cleared concussion protocol. Brady had a great game on Sunday. You know, Mike Evans having 104 yards and a touchdown. Leonard Fournette, his first touchdown as the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And Rob Gronkowski, no catches. No catches. And we all know Bruce Arians, he is not going to sugarcoat anything whatsoever. And, you know, he said, he, he pretty much said, he's like, you know, it, it's, it's not about targets and catches. He's like, that's what receivers are for. <laughs> so you got to love Bruce Arians. He doesn't beat around the bush. But when I look at this, Drew Locke, it sounds like he is going to be out. Cortland Sutton, he's done for the season. Von Miller, it sounds like he's done for the season. Definitely have to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on this. The 2-0 Arizona Cardinals hosting the 0-2 Detroit Lions. Man, Detroit, you know, they looked good early on this Sunday against Green Bay. And then the second half, a complete collapse, losing 42-21. to I'll tell you what, Matt Patricia, like I said, I feel like that's another coach that is definitely on the hot seat and could possibly end up getting canned during the season. So I look at that, and I look at Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. 
Arizona is 2-0. Speaking of Bruce Aarons, they are 2-0 for the first time since 2015, the year that they went to the NFC Championship, only to get slaughtered by Cam Newton and the Panthers. That was the year that Cam Newton was league MVP. And last year, Detroit and Arizona, that game actually ended in a tie. Week one of the NFL season, but I don't think it's even going to come close to a tie on Sunday. Arizona Cardinals. Sunday night football, 820 on NBC. The 2-0 Green Bay Packers, by far the best team in the NFC so far, in my opinion. Hosting the 1-1 New Orleans Saints, Aaron Jones, three touchdowns, 150-some yards. I would know because of my work league, he got me 44 points. Like I said, Drew Brees, I almost feel like he's starting to show some signs of age at the same time. Michael Thomas not being in the lineup on Sunday, I feel like that was definitely a big, big factor. So... Believe it or not, if you would have asked me this game several months ago, I definitely would have taken the Saints, just knowing the kind of environment that the Superdome is. Knowing Michael Thomas would have been in there, but no Michael Thomas, no fans. I got to go with the Green Bay Packers on this one. And Monday Night Football. Wow. The 2-0 Kansas City Chiefs, the 2-0 Baltimore Ravens. Definitely the best game on Monday Night Football in a long long time. We all know the high-powered offense that both these teams have. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey. But the thing is, with Kansas City, aside from Chris Jones, their defense has, has been kind of suspect over the last few years. Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Action Jackson, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, you know, Mark Andrews, but their defense, that has always been the bread and butter of the Baltimore Ravens is their defense. And of course, like I said, two of the best kickers in the NFL, when you think of it. Harrison Bucker on the Chiefs, Justin Tucker on the Ravens. Absolute clutch, both of them are. And it kind of comes full circle. You know, Andy Reid, the great thing about Andy Reid is all the time that, that he spent the 14 seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles, he grew quite a coaching tree when you think of it. Look at Doug Peterson. Look at Ron Rivera. John Harbaugh, think of it. When John Harbaugh was hired by the Baltimore Ravens in 2008, I can't think of a single coach whose background was in special teams that they ended up becoming the head coach. And, man, when you think of it, the 12 years that John Harbaugh has been there, sure enough, the Super Bowl against the 49ers, all those years, making the playoffs you know, with Joe Flacco, Ray Lewis, Ray Rice, that defense, Terrell Suggs. And sure enough, you know, after Ray Lewis retired, I know they went through some tough years, and I know that there was even some talk about John Harbaugh getting fired around 2018. He took a gamble on Lamar Jackson, trading back into the first round at the end of the first round, Philadelphia agreeing to, to the trade. He took Lamar Jackson, and he made he took the gamble. And halfway through the season, he went with Lamar Jackson, took Joe Flacco out. You know, Joe was kind of banged up a little bit, but you could see signs of decline. And, I mean, his very first playoff game against the Chargers, he struggled. He struggled badly. He was more of a runner than he was a passer. And it's like I was watching GMFB this morning, and Kay Adams, Peter, Peter Schrager, Kyle Brandt, Nate Burleson, they all said, when you think of it, yeah, you know, that first year or two, he was definitely more of a runner, but he has definitely evolved into a passer now. And like Boone said, you know, we had a conversation about this on Monday, and he brought up such a great point about Lamar Jackson. And the point that he made was 
<clears throat> the point that, that Boone made, he said, you can't really consider Lamar Jackson to be, <clears throat> you know, to say that, you know, he's not capable of winning the big games. You know, he's not capable of beating Patrick Mahomes. He is certainly capable. Now, like he said, that, that first year he was as raw as they got, that playoff game, when you think of it. He was as raw as they got. And he has definitely evolved into such a great quarterback. And and I know that it's just like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And what I mean by this is, you know, the, the knock on Peyton Manning, it was always, you can't beat Tom Brady. You can't beat Tom Brady. And that's the knock that people are giving Lamar Jackson right now. You can't beat Patrick Mahomes. He has come close. The two times that they played each other, December of 2018 and September of last year, those games went right down to the wire. They really, really did. But I know what, what he means by that, that <clears throat> here it is. This is what Boone had to say. He said, it's a regular season game, so I'm leaning towards the Ravens. He said, I think they are the more motivated team. Not saying Kansas City isn't motivated, but Baltimore has that hungry dog mentality. And he's right. They have always had that hungry dog mentality. And he said, I'm not a Ravens fan by any means, but I hate the narrative about Lamar in the playoffs. The guy has only played two games. His first year, he was extremely raw and only played a handful of games after Flacco. And that's right. He, and he said, he said, if he chokes this year, then the narrative has merit, but it's too much of a sample size. So once again, spot on by Boone, more and more reason to get him on this show. So he's leaning towards the Baltimore Ravens. And you want to know something, folks, believe it or not. I'm leaning towards the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night as well, especially since this game is in Baltimore. So I think it's going to be great. It's definitely going to be down to the wire. But this time, I think that the student outcoaches the teacher. I think John Harbaugh beats Andy Reid this time around. So just a quick recap of everything. My pick for tomorrow night in the truck race, Brett Moffitt. My pick Saturday night in Xfinity, Chase Briscoe. And my pick for Sunday night's cup race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Kevin Harvick. And real quick recap of my picks for this weekend. Tonight, Jacksonville over Miami. And then on Sunday, the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Houston Texans. Cincinnati Bengals over the Philadelphia Eagles. San Francisco 49ers over the New York Giants. New England Patriots against the Las Vegas Raiders. Tennessee Titans over the Minnesota Vikings. Cleveland Browns over the Washington football team, <laughs> Buffalo Bills over the Los Angeles Rams, Atlanta Falcons over the Chicago Bears, Los Angeles Chargers over the Carolina Panthers, Indianapolis Colts over the New York Jets, Seattle Seahawks over the Dallas Cowboys, Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Denver Broncos, Arizona Cardinals over the Detroit Lions, Green Bay Packers against the New Orleans Saints, and for Monday night, the Baltimore Ravens over the Kansas City Chiefs. So how ironic, episode 23 of Jake's Take, the big, big news about Michael Jordan becoming a car owner in the NASCAR Cup Series in 2021. Seriously, you cannot make that up. <laughs> That's going to do it for episode 23 of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in. So obviously, now that we're into the NFL season and we have these Thursday night games, Definitely going to do episodes every Thursday morning for you guys. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the races this weekend. Y'all take it easy.